Hello, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. We are a family of churches that exist to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time. And I believe that you're not here by accident, that there's something that God wants to speak to you in this moment. I hope that you're encouraged, challenged, and convicted by what you hear today. We love you. Real life, it is so good to see you today. I believe that God got us here together on purpose. I believe he really wants to speak to every single one of us today. Happy Independence Day weekend. As we celebrate all over our country this weekend, our independence and our freedom, we're so grateful for those that have paid such a sacrifice for us to be free. I know that as we enter this time of life and just continue to navigate all that we're navigating our Summer has seemed to have gotten just so weird for all of us. I know this time of life is something that uh, is difficult for us to understand what to make sense of and where to go from here. I want to bring to us today God's word, God's heart. We are walking through the book of Luke together as a church and Jesus has been so faithful. His words every week, week in and week out, every step of the way, his words have been so perfect for right where we are as a people. Last week, as Shane spoke on honor, I know my heart, my family, all of us that were gathered together, were just so moved to wanna be a people of honor, to wanna uh, bring a culture of honor in a, in a culture where division and fighting and pain seems to be the normal, politicizing everything, We wanna be a different kind of people. And I think that this message that God has for us today is going to be one that really aligns our heart once again with Jesus' heart. And so I I wanna come to you today with this passage, Luke chapter seven. We're gonna kick off in verse 18 today. Here's how I want you to listen to this. Listen um, to Jesus' leadership. Listen with a, maybe a, a warning in mind. The scene is a really interesting scene. John the Baptist is struggling with Jesus' leadership. He has an expectation of what he thought life was gonna be like, what the arrival of the Messiah was gonna be like, who Jesus is and what Jesus was gonna do. And all of that seems to be different. He's sitting in jail. Luke doesn't tell us about jail. Matthew does. One of the other gospel accounts tells us that John is literally sitting in jail wondering about Jesus. I can't help but think of the expectations that all of us have of what normal is or should be in our life all the expectations we have about our summer and what it should be like and how we should be enjoying it, all the expectations we have about the school year or or just the future. And all of it just seems like, I don't know if it feels like this to you, but everything just continues to get thrown into a blender and just chewed up. Even as we start to pull pieces out and make sense of life again, This pandemic just continues to explode again and more people are getting sick and our hearts are just like kind of overwhelmed by, oh no, what is really gonna happen with all of this? Everything gets thrown back into the blender and we have no idea what it's all gonna look like when the blades stop turning and we start pulling pieces out. Expectations, man, there's something about them that are good, like that we need hope. We need to look forward to life and to things and to uh, Jesus and, and how we interact with him. But expectations can be a dangerous thing as well. They can be an open door for heartache and pain and disillusionment and disappointment, frustration and bitterness. 
expectations can really create an open door for the enemy to do some work in our hearts that many of us would never want him to do. So I want to come to this passage, like I said, as a, as a warning today. So if you would come with me and let's look at Jesus' heart and Jesus' words together today. Luke chapter seven, verse 18, the disciples of John reported all these things to John. What things? The healing of, uh, of the centurion's servant by Jesus' word that Shane preached about last week. The, the raising of the dead of this widow's son that Shane was preaching about last week. All these things, John's disciples come to visit John where he sits in jail and they tell him this news about Jesus. And John, calling two of his disciples, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? I want you to just get this setting for a second. John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus. Luke chapters one, two, and three, all that we have been studying for the last several months together. There's this interplay. Luke, the, the author, creates this narrative of Jesus and John and Jesus and John and John and Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus is being announced by his cousin, John. And there's this sense of understanding that John is one of the most important figures at the arrival of Jesus. And then, and then the scene shifts in Luke chapter four to Jesus. His ministry, his teaching, his life, his leadership. That's why we're studying the book of Luke together is we wanna know Jesus. And John seems to fade to the background and now Luke brings him back to center and he brings him in this really interesting way. Here is John questioning Jesus. Are you the one that we should be looking for? Are you the savior of the world or is there somebody else? Like John is the one that literally saw a heaven open and a, and a dove descend and land on Jesus, a picture of the Holy Spirit landing on Jesus, a voice from heaven that said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. John was there for all of that and then testified, look, there is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That same guy is going, hey, are you the one? Or should we look for somebody else? But you need to just think about like who this is asking this question. It's not, it's not somebody that hasn't had any kind of experience or encounter with Jesus. It's somebody that's very familiar with the power and the work of God. Very familiar with the person of Jesus. Very familiar with the teaching and leadership and the miracles of Jesus. Yet he asks, are, are you the one? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one? Here's this question, or, or, or shall we look for another? Listen to this. In that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues, hmm. plagues. Yes, Jesus, healing of plagues and pandemics in your name, evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. I want you to just hear this verse 21 again. In that hour, like Jesus just finished healing many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and many people who were blind, he gave them sight. And this is what he says to John's disciples. I want you to go tell John what you personally have seen and what you have heard. 
The encounter that you've had with me and my power and my love and my grace, I want you to go report that back to John. What, what you have experienced, that's what I want you to tell him about. I want you to tell him that the blind have received their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up to life. The poor have good news preached to them. I want you to go tell John like the miracle that is happening right here in the midst of this slice of history. I think about this, how interesting, how crazy is it that one who has been so close to the action at the center of the work of God is now somehow missing the miracle that he's standing in the middle of. I wonder how many of us are, are, have experienced the power of God, the work of God, the grace of God, are literally standing in a miracle like the marriage you're in is a miracle. The kids that you have are absolute miracles. The financial provision you've experienced is an absolute miracle from God. I wonder how many of us are standing in a miracle, yet we've somehow found ourselves disconnected from the power and the love of God. And we're wondering, Jesus, are you the one or, or should I be looking for someone else? Should I be looking to find my hope and my satisfaction in my life somewhere else? Should I be trying to put my hope in, in those places and in those people and in those things, God, or, or, or can I put my hope in you? Like, I, I wonder what would cause somebody to be standing in a miracle and yet miss the very amazing thing that they're experiencing. And this is what Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What is Jesus saying? You're blessed. You're happy. It's best for you in your life if you're not offended by me. What's offense? Offense is unmet expectation. I want you to connect the dots for a moment. Our lives, we expect to go a certain way. Our work, we expect to go a certain way. Our marriage, our lives, our kids, our, our finances. We have a picture in our mind, even of our relationship with God, the kind of love that he would provide, the kind of healing he would provide, the kind of provision he would provide. We have an expectation of God. And Jesus is saying, you're actually most blessed, most happy if you're not offended by my work, my timing, my ways. If you're not so married to your expectation, you will actually have the ability to see the miracle that I am doing in your life, that I wanna do through your life. But if you marry yourself to the expectations of the way you think life ought to go, you might miss the miracle. I think that this encounter for, for, for John's disciples was so essential, but even as they carried this message back, I, I wonder if it felt like it, it fell short of what they could explain to John, of what they could give to John, of what they could encourage John with. I think I feel some of the pressure that these guys felt as they walked back towards John the Baptist. I think about just what church is and what it has been and all that we've experienced. Just a few minutes ago, I was standing in our empty, dark auditorium, walking through this message, just preparing my heart for this time. And it's not the same without you. The church, I don't think was intended to be like this in some digital space alone and no connectivity and no opportunity to be together. Everything that I've done as a, as a pastor in ministry the last 20, 25 years is completely thrown out the window, just like many of your lives are. And we're all trying to figure this out together. 
And, and everything I, I, I want and, and I, I feel responsible to bring, every message that I feel like I, I, I gotta get into your hands and get into your life and get into your heart, I feel like these disciples that are walking back to John, I feel like it all just is gonna fall so short of what we really need as a people, as a church, as a family. I think the heart of what I hear here in Jesus' leadership is this warning. Don't be offended by me. Don't allow my leadership to be something that causes an offense to rise in your heart. Because if you think Jesus is gonna work within your constraints, within your timing, within your perspective, and we're just an offense waiting to happen. See, this is a spiritual war that we're in. The enemy of your soul is waiting for you to open the door into your soul to say, yes, they are offended. Now I can creep in and, and I, can, I could supplant the work of God in your heart by, by creating bitterness, frustration, anxiety, fear. See, offense creates this open door now for the enemy to walk into your life and begin to take over your heart. See, he has no power or authority in your life except for when we give him opportunities of a foothold, a chance to walk in and start to control us. When he starts to remove the hope that we have in Jesus, uh, he has the ability now to, to creep in and start to control us, control our thinking, control our words, control our decision-making. And I feel this passage as a warning. You're blessed if you're not offended by me is what Jesus is saying. If you allow me to be God and you, you don't try to be God, if you allow me to operate under my own timing and my own ways and my own experiences and stop putting your expectations on how I should be or what I'm about to do or how I ought to be operating or behaving or the way this world ought to go back or, or what normal should be. Like if you would just stop letting your expectations lead your heart and allow me to lead your heart, there is this blessed way that Jesus is calling us to. He says, what, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Speaking of John here, a reed shaken by the wind, just a kind of a crazy guy. No, a, a man dressed in soft clothing, somebody that's fancy and got their life all together. Those are the people that live in luxury and in King's courts. What then did you go out to see a prophet? Yes. But even, even greater than that, more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. This is the one who Isaiah prophesied would come and prepare the way for Jesus. And he says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. There's this instant kind of, receptivity in, in, in the crowd of people as Jesus is speaking. People start nodding their heads, the tax collectors, and, and everybody started to declare God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. They're like, yes, that's true. That is who he is, and that is what God has been doing, and that is what's happening, except for this crowd of people called the Pharisees, the lawyers, the religious leaders. They were actually, Luke says, rejected the purpose of God for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. It creates this separation in, in, in the audience in a sense, like those that are going, okay, God is just, he's at work. Something's um, 
working here in our midst. The kingdom seems to be coming. We don't understand it all, but we sense that God is in our midst, except for those that had an expectation on the way things should go. These religious leaders had a, had a box that God, the, the rescuer, the savior was supposed to fit in. And so as Jesus makes a statement about who John is and the work of God and the kingdom of God in their midst, they can't receive it. Instead of nodding their heads going, yeah, God is just, they're shaking their heads going, no, this isn't right. And I think about this, this is a clear indication of the offense in our hearts that we carry. The nodding of our head or the shaking of our head. And I think many of us are, are carrying ourselves like with this kind of, kind of chip on our shoulder right now because of the offense that we've experienced, are experiencing. You think about our culture right now, it is completely packed full of offense. Everybody is offended right now. Nothing is going according to anybody's plans and we're all blaming somebody else for it. We're all shaking our heads, frustrated, embittered, disappointed, disillusioned. And here comes Jesus going, hey, I want you to experience something so much different than what you're experiencing now. I want you to not just, just kind of get enraptured with your expectations and what you think this life needs to be like. You kind of hear Jesus almost lamenting here at the end of this passage, verse 31. He says, what should I compare this, this people of this generation to? What are, you, what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. <laughs> or the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's almost like Jesus is going, I can't make this generation happy. You play the music this way and you don't dance. You, you play the music this way and you don't weep. You, you send this kind of a messenger and you say he has a demon. And then you send the son of God himself and you say he's a glutton and a drunk. Nothing is going to meet your expectations is what Jesus is saying. He closes the passage with this simple statement, verse 35, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. The way of God, the wisdom of God, the, the kingdom of God, the course of God, the timing of God, the thoughts of God, the wisdom of God is justified by her children, by the offspring, by the fruit that it produces. There will come a day, Jesus says, when all of this will be revealed and we will all know which way is the right way. Whose kingdom is really winning? Which way our hearts need to be going? And here's what I think is dangerous about you and I, really the warning that is so needed in this time is offense in our hearts about the work of God, the timing of God, the people all around us. Offense is this wide open door for the enemy to get in and deceive us and trap us. And I hear Jesus just making an invitation. Hey, would you stop placing your expectations on me? And would you exchange those expectations for a legitimate encounter with me? And I think that's really what I want to invite you into is in an encounter with God. Like, I don't, I don't know how all of this is going to go and what's supposed to happen and, and what church is going to look like or what, what, what things are going to happen with politics and the pandemic and how everything is going to work out. None of us do. And the more that we try to grab a hold of everything with an expectation and try to control it or make things happen the way we want them to happen, the more kind of, 
powerless we're going to become and the more consumed we're going to become and the more disappointed we're going to become and the more opportunity the enemy is going to have to get a foothold in our hearts and ruin our future, ruin the fruit of these lives. I think about like summer is already a dangerous time because it's a self-indulgent time. We want to rest. We want to experience creation. We want to get out. We have just a few months. Let us get after it. And, and, and that angst inside of us right now to get rest, to get vacations, like, like it's, it's a good angst, but sometimes we place the, the fulfillment of that rest and that desire in the wrong places. It's another open door of here's how life ought to be. Here's what rest looks like. Here's what I need. It, it opens the door for the enemy to creep in and, and, and start to deceive us and drag us away. And the only way to, to change this about our life and our rhythm is to exchange these expectations for an encounter with God. Like what, what would make this story different if John was in the middle getting to experience and encounter the work of Jesus? What would make it different if he was actually face to face with Jesus and could really see these miracles for himself? If he, could, if he could be close to Jesus and know like what he was talking about and how things were going, if he had kind of this inside sense of God's leadership in his life. And many of us have stayed at a distance from Jesus and all we have is our expectations to go on and we find ourselves disconnected and disillusioned and honestly discouraged. I hear Jesus is going, hey, real life, come on. I want to give you an encounter with me. That'll, here's the thing. When I get in the presence of Jesus and I experience him, when it's a legitimate encounter with God himself, whatever expectation I have falls so short. Whatever I think life ought to be like, I don't even care anymore because God is so good. His presence is so powerful. His kingdom is so real. And we get so short-sighted living according to our expectations when Jesus is just going, no, no, no. Would you just encounter me? Would you know me? Would you experience me? Would you love me? Would you, would you see me face to face and not be content with somebody else's interpretation of my story? Would you experience my story firsthand? Would you know my love firsthand? Would you know my presence personally? Somebody just sent me this passage just a little bit ago and I, I wanna just read it, pray it over you. David in Psalm 27, he, he's just crying out to God for God's provision and grace and salvation. And it's a prayer that, for me, super needed in this time. So I'm like you, like, I need rest. I've been going crazy ever since this pandemic started. Our whole team, our whole staff, everybody at Real Life has just been hustling as hard as we can to figure out how to lead spiritually during this time. I'm worn out. I think a lot of you are too, and it's easy in that place just to find ourselves empty and just grasping at expectations. And here, David, in this in this passage, there's some tension and then listen to how the tension gets resolved. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Hmm. Let me just, just close your eyes as I read this over you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and foes, it is they who, who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. No matter how bad this world gets, this pandemic gets, the, the unmet expectations get, I shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, listen, that I will seek after, this is David, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm not seeking to get my own way, to get life to back to normal. I'm seeking God there's one thing that I can get after, I want to be in the house. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be near his, 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 his presence. I don't want to stay at a distance. I want to go where God is, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Listen to this. Like this is the, the change of countenance. When you and I encounter God when we're not consumed with expectations, but we are reveling in an encounter with God, we are sacrificing to him with shouts of joy, not, not woes and drudgery and anxieties and pain and, and frustrations and bitterness, but we are making sacrifices with shouts of joy. We will sing and make melody to the Lord. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Please, God, I wanna encounter you. You have said, seek my face, God. I'm gonna remind you of what you promised, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, God, what you said to me. Seek my face. And then my heart says in response to you, God, your face, Lord, do I seek. Here I come. I want an encounter with you, God. I wanna know you personally, God. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help, God. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, oh God of my salvation. For even if my father and my mother, the closest people in this world have forsaken me, the Lord will still take me in. If everybody runs from me, even God at that point will still take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. Even false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence, but I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. Listen to this, in the land of the living. I'm, just, I'm not just waiting for heaven to see the goodness of God, but right here, right now, I believe through all of this, somehow, some way, God, I am gonna see your goodness. I, I put my hope, God, believing that you are gonna reveal your goodness, God, right here in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Real life, wait for him, wait for an encounter for him, with him, get near to his presence, run to his presence, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. I wanna pray. Jesus, you're meeting many of us right here, right now in this time. God, you're revealing yourself God, we ask for a, a real encounter with you, God. 
that would supersede any expectation, any disappointment, any bitterness of the past, any frustration with the politics of the today or the, the fears about the pandemic. God, that all of that would evaporate as we're in your presence right now. God, we are a people that's saying, God, we will wait for you. We will seek you. We come running after you, God. We want an encounter with you, God. There is no formula to this whole thing, just a heart that says, I'm hungry, God. I come after you. I want to experience you, God. It is in your presence that my expectations evaporate. It is in your presence, God, that, that our hearts are made whole, that our hearts are lifted to a place of rejoicing, joy, satisfaction. It is in your presence, God, that we find ourselves fully satisfied. It is in your presence, God, that, that, that all of the anxieties and the fears of the future, God, they evaporate, God, because we know that you are near, that you love us, that you have called us, that you have plans and purposes for our lives that we can't see, we can't understand. We don't know, God, the, the future and how you're gonna make it all happen, but God, we trust that you are good and we trust, God, that we are gonna see your goodness in this day, in the land of the living God, not some other day, but right here, right now, we trust that we are going to see your goodness, God. Some of you have never experienced the goodness of God, the favor of God, the grace of God. And I want to invite you right now to have an encounter with God's salvation. The very first encounter any of us have is this evaporation of our sin and absolute forgiveness from God. I want to invite you into that right now. All it takes is a repentant heart, a heart that says, God, I can't make myself right with you. Would you save me? Maybe you just need to get on your knees wherever you're at right now. Open your hands before him to say, God, I, I need your salvation. I need an encounter with your salvation. God, would you save this soul? Would you erase these sins? God, would you make me right? Would you make me pure? I sense God all over the place, all over this world, every device right now, his grace is coming to you. His healing is coming to you. His salvation is coming to you. Hope is filling your heart right now because he loves you. He sees you. He is sealing you for the day of salvation. I pray that your heart is filled with a faith to believe that he knows you and understands you and has called you by name. Jesus, you see all of us desperate for an encounter with you. God, I pray that you would make a way through all of this for us to just seek you with all our hearts, that you would help us to exchange every expectation for a legitimate encounter with you, God. Forgive us for holding on to expectations God, forgive us for allowing our hunger and our passion for you to evaporate because of our expectations. God, we come to you in humility and desperate need for your grace. For those that aren't hungry right now, as I pray, God, fill them with hunger. For those, God, that are, are hopeless, God, right now, fill them with hope. God, for those that have been missing the miracle that they're standing in the middle of, God, give them a picture again of all the work that you've done to get them into these places that they stand right now, God. All the, all the healing, all the restoration. God, you are so good. We will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, we will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. We honor you. We trust you. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Relaf, I love you so much. I pray that God is speaking to you, encouraging you today. I pray that you hear this warning with all the grace that I can, that I can muster 
I feel like God is wanting to say this to all of us. And so I pray that your heart would respond today. If you need prayer about anything, you could text us. You can fill out the online connection card. We want to meet you where you're at. We've started to celebrate some more baptisms and people are taking that next step. If you're ready today to say, yes, you just were on your knees today. Your next step is to be baptized. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you take that step. Let us know, text us or, or fill out that connection card. We will make sure that we help you take that step. We love you so much. I want to worship together right now. Let's respond to everything Jesus is saying in our hearts. Come on. We are so glad you're with us today in this digital space. Wherever you're at, our team is praying for you. We love you and we can't wait to hear from you. We're ready to walk with you and help you navigate whatever might be going on in your life. For more info, please visit the description on how to get in touch with us. We love you.